I'm Louise Poole and welcome to That Entertainment Podcast Brisbane where I'm chatting to the creatives behind the scenes of what's on in Brisbane right now. Make sure you give us a follow in your podcast app so you never miss an episode. So the Brisbane Comedy Festival is currently underway and the star of the show is a clown. Gary Star, that is. Grease Lightning is the show. It's been described as an overzealous idiot attempting to perform all of Greek mythology in less than 60 minutes in order to save his Hellenic homeland from economic ruin. And Grease Lightning actually won Pick of the Fringe at the Adelaide Fringe Festival earlier this year, so we're in for a treat. Damien Warren-Smith, a lifelong theatre and TV actor who starred in shows like Love My Way and Law and Order UK, is the brains and brawn behind Gary Starr and is joining me for a chat. Well, who am I actually chatting to here? Is it Gary or is it Damien? No, I'm definitely Damien. I've done a few interviews with Gary and I just it doesn't come across well. He's... I think he's, uh, he's too much of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is lovely to meet you, Damien. I was watching your uh, your trailer for the show before and a um, <clears throat> little left to the imagination, I feel like, is this why we're recording this interview after dark? Like, you couldn't come out earlier in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's certainly, um, I don't know, it's funny because the content of the show actually apart from me getting naked, is, is kind of <laughs> fine for all ages. And um, I've been asked to do versions, you know, where I don't get naked for younger audiences, and they really enjoyed it. Um, but I think there's, there's sort of a – it's a two-prong thing. I think one, one of the reasons I get naked and put the show on quite late at night usually is because I'm kind of making kids' shows for adults. Mm. And I think if you if you do it too early and you don't do that, then kids come along and there's something interesting that happens with this kind of work. When there are kids in the audience, and I've had this happen a few times, they start to, to laugh and then a lot of the adults pull back a bit because they go, oh, it's for kids. Whereas if you take the kids out of the equation, the adults go, oh, this is for us. So it's a really strange – I think you've got to be really – um, confident in yourself to to laugh at the same thing that kids laugh at. It's like you've cracked the Pixar code or something, where yeah. you know, the, the movies have the double entendre jokes for everyone. Well, there's so much of that. I mean, I got I get asked to do a few of the um, comedy club for kids uh, spots at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and um, I kind of just do the stuff from my show. And it, uh, compared to when the other artists are performing, it really is aimed at the parents. And the parents are just losing it, um, and the kids. I mean, they they get, they laugh at some of it, but they just love watching their parents laugh. I think. Mm. So Gary Starr, um, I, I suppose we need to introduce him for the audience because not everyone has seen you in the nud today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who is Gary Starr? If you have to sum him up, Gary Starr. He's my. I mean, he's my alter ego. He's my clown. He's the version of me who is not not too far removed, but. I would say higher status and lower intelligence. Um, he's kind of me when I was eight years old, I think. Like, uh, I mean, that's you know something that my mum said when she came and saw the show for the first time. Because I've been living in Europe and, and doing all this kind of this work, and uh, and so when I first performed this character in Australia, and my mum saw it. She was like, "Oh, that's just what you were like as a kid." <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Is that a compliment or an insult? Uh, I think it's a compliment because we talk a lot about when you when you're studying clown, it's about trying to tap into that that kind of childlike innocence and childlike play that is kind of drummed out of us um, as we get older. And really simple things like when a kid is doing something silly, 
and somebody laughs at what they're doing, they look straight at that person and they do it again. Like there's no shame of it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this person thinks they're funny. Oh, was it this you thought was funny? I'm going to do that again. Yeah, it's and so clown, one of the first rules of clown is look to the laugh, you know. If you do something and someone's got a big laugh, I just look straight at them and I just I just do it again. I try and make them laugh for everyone else's benefit. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a... I think it's a compliment if if you can tap into that that childlike innocence. It's really it's really great. How um how much was young Damien like young Gary then? I mean, not just from your mum's perspective, but do you think that um it, it is a bit like unleashing your inner child? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I, I mean, I, I I can certainly feel it. I can I I notice that um there's there's something really interesting about clown where it. it it's, it's often the thing that, that makes you an idiot, that makes you a clown, is often the thing that people will say about you when you leave a room. Mm. Like if people are kind of like, oh, God, that guy's a bit like this, or they just see that person, or how about that person's voice, or you know, whether it's a physicality or a personality trait. And if you can tap into what that is about you um, that is ridiculous, um, that is really obvious, and, uh, and then own it and, and present it to the world, um, then you get this incredible strength. You get this real power of mm. like, hey, I'm not, nothing scares me anymore because I know I'm an idiot in this way. So you've um, been a theatre theater actor for ages. You've been in, yeah. um, acted in some TV shows. Um, mm-hmm. How does one go from being a serious thespian to becoming a clown? It's, yeah, that's funny actually because I never really was funny. I never thought of myself as as being funny, and I never really did comedy. Um, and then my first professional job in the UK, like you know, when I say I did a lot of like Shakespeare and stuff mm-hmm. on the fringe, and and uh, and all the TV stuff I did was very serious. And then I got this job for this company up in Yorkshire called Hull Truck Theatre, and and they got me to play like five different Australian stereotypes. Um, <laughs> And, you know, like I had the Outback Drifter and the Surfer and there's an outrageous drag queen called Bondi Bitch. <laughs> um, and uh, and, uh, and it was, that was my first real crack at comedy. And, I, like, I, I enjoyed it, but I really I found it really challenging. Mm. And so that kind of ignited my interest. I think I've always been someone who chases, chases what's, uh, what's difficult. And so I started to, you know, dig a little bit more into the people who I thought were really funny in theatre. And uh, I stumbled across this, com- this company called Spy Monkey, um, and they are essentially a contemporary clown troupe. There's like four of four idiots who, the first show I saw of theirs, they were trying to retell Moby Dick, but they were just like just got the whole thing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I discovered that they tra- trained with this guy called Philippe Gollier, who is a clown teacher in Paris. Um, who trained people like Sasha Baron Cohen and um, uh, you know Helena Bonham Carter and uh, um, Jeffrey Rush trained with him. Like he's, he's trained a lot of people, but he's just, you know, he doesn't advertise. He's really well known within the industry. Um, and so I, yeah, I took myself off to Paris and trained as a, as a clown. And uh, it's terrifying. Like clown is the most frightening thing to do, to be up in front of a group of people with nothing. Mm. You know, you haven't got a script um, and you've just got to make people laugh. And if people laugh, you can stay up there. And if you can't, and Philippe hits the drum and you have to go and sit down. And it's like, it's so <laughs> terrifying. What did, um, what so did your mum say when you told her you were going to clown college? 
Oh, shit. I mean, this is, this is the funny thing about my mum. She's just always been so supportive. I Because my dad passed away when I was quite young, and mm. he was the academic. Like, you know, he went to Oxford and was a journalist, and uh, and his friends who I've you know caught up with since then were always like, oh, your dad was always obsessed with with academia and education, and 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 because he passed away when I was quite young, and my mum was just like, oh, what do you want to do? Do what you want to do. Um, so I, I think I just kind of always just followed what what interested me. Um, and mum was always the one who was like, yeah, that sounds great. Mum, I want to be a clown. Oh, that's a great idea, you know. Um, so as a, as a result, I don't have a degree, but I have travelled the world as an idiot. So, yeah, I'm really <laughs> thankful, thankful to mum for that. And I love that you were ahead of the time too. Like everyone's talking about the great resignation now after kind of the pandemic, but you were like, no, I'm going to follow my dreams of becoming a clown early. You, you beat yeah. everybody to the punch. <laughs> well, I, I remember. I remember I distinctly remember as had this realization where that if, if you get a qualif- if you do some study or training which has a qualification at the end, then it's very difficult to determine whether you're doing that for the joy of it or for the qualification. Mm. So I made a rule that I was never going to study anything that I would get a qualification in. So I went to Berlin and studied corporeal mime, and I went basically if you got a certificate, I didn't want to do it. Because I knew then that my sole purpose was the journey rather than the destination. And that sounds really pretentious, like, but it was great because it just meant that I did the weirdest stuff. You know, I studied mask theater mm. and, uh, you know, and mime and, and, you know, improv comedy and all these kind of things that, uh, that if I wasn't enjoying them, then I wouldn't be doing them because they didn't get me somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting philosophy. Like I've um, I've recently started doing part-time study again at uni and I thought I was, what I was studying was actually for the joy of it because I was saying, I really want to learn this. And then as my therapist said, um, do you want to learn it or do you just want the qualifications? So you have another reason mm. that, you you know, n- now you don't work as a professional radio announcer anymore and you make podcasts from your, 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 off, your office at home. Like, do you just want something else? else that says hey i feel accomplished and i'm like yeah oh shit i've been called out (laughs) so (laughs) i'm so impressed you got that you know 20 years before i did yeah i was i was i mean i still i remember telling people that and then people just thought i was a bit bit silly but i think it was because i'd been working as an actor for about 10 years in london and i kept trying to get these additional skills that i could add to my cv like Mm. I knew if I got a stage combat cert, whatever, then then I could be seen for certain roles. And I knew that if I had, um, you know, like a dance qualification, then I'd get other things. And, and then I went, well, hang on a minute. I, I'm not enjoying doing these things. It's like, well, I don't want to do anything with a certification. And so, but I still want to do things in the performing arts. And that's where I stumbled across these things like mime and puppetry and mask because mm. you can't have a, there's no level. There's no level that you can reach. Yeah. How, um, how does it affect your mental health? Like, uh, I, I know that there's this science um, w- with dopamine that even when you smile or laugh, even if it's a fake laugh or smile, it actually creates the same chemical reaction in your body um, to trick you into feeling good. I'm wondering if being a clown actually is beneficial. Yeah, I think, look, I, I definitely think there is some truth in that. I think um, I'm much happier when I'm, when I'm performing, but I'm also an extrovert, mm. which means I like I get my energy from being around people. Mm. Um, 
But when you're performing all the time as a clown in that environment, you're really with and, and, and around people, but you're, you're expelling energy, like you're giving mm. so much. And so then I need some time to myself, but as an extrovert, that's not where I recharge. <laughs> and so I'm like, so where am I recharging now? I kind of, you know, and especially if I'm away from home, I haven't got my normal communities with me. So I'm with these big groups of people and having this amazing time, but it's all about me expelling energy. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a weird adjustment, to be honest. I'm, mm. I, I'm still not sure how I, how I survive on the road as much as I do because I, I'm away from community and I'm a one-man band, really. Like, I, I don't even travel with a stage manager or a technician. I, I go where I go and well, I... Gary I does all his own costume changes. Yeah, does a lot. for <laughs> me. <laughs> um, and I, I, that, that, was a, that was by choice because I really wanted that flexibility to be like, oh, great, we're going to do a show in Canberra next week mm. and I don't have to try and organise scheduling for someone, you know. Where has the show it's taken done. you so far? I know you, um, you're you at Fringe and you did very, very well at Fringe this year. Yeah, Adelaide was, was crazy. It's, um, yeah, picked up the top prize, which is the the pick of the Fringe um, and uh, and added five extra shows onto my season. So mm. it was definitely, definitely worth it, which was great because Melbourne Comedy Festival, I got COVID after <gasps> my first four shows and cancelled the rest of my run. So uh, I'm glad I made a little bit of money in Adelaide because I've just been decimated by Melbourne. But fingers crossed, that means I've got, well, apparently some immunity. immunity for the next <laughs> few so, so Brisbane should happen. <laughs> yeah, it, would, um, it, would very, it would be really like um, bad luck to pick it up twice in a couple of months. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm really in touch wood. Um, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, no, it's taken me all over. I mean, this show so far has only done Adelaide and Melbourne, but, my previous show, Gary Starr performs everything. I did all over the UK and Europe and America. I've done, you know, I've done it in LA and Vegas and um, you know Oslo and Berlin and this this one I've got. So after this, I do Ballarat this weekend, and then I've got uh, Canberra, Sydney, Brisbane, and then I'll go back to the UK, Manchester, Bristol, Brighton, London, Edinburgh, and then I'm playing Bergen um, and Gothenburg. So, yeah, it's quite, it's really, yeah, it's great. I mean, to travel all over the place with this. Yeah, considering he's almost a pandemic baby too, he's very well travelled. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Just taking the spreading out a bit like a, in the, the latest Borat film when he travels to America <laughs> and then discovers that yeah, the reason was to bring COVID to America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where's the trophy room in the house with the Adelaide Fringe Um uh, it's on top of the fridge. Do you know what? This this sounds terrible, but this is the only award that I still have. So in 2018, when I toured my first show, I won a bunch of awards, and I don't know where they are. Because when you're living out of a suitcase, you kind of you leave them at a friend's house in Sydney or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'll come back and get this one day. I don't know where they are. Have you checked so eBay? Way- yeah, probably. I wonder if, they, <laughs> if they're selling. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I've got my Adelaide pick of the fridge right on top of the fridge. Oh, that's so lovely. Candle. Yeah. Nick, what's the flight? What's the what's the scent? Uh, the scent of can- it, it's quite strong to me. It's thyme and moss. Okay. Yeah. That is that's prime placement then. Yeah. Mm. It's a little bit too much actually. If I, if I have it on, <laughs> I don't have the windows open. I end up choking. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I see that as well that one of the other skills you've picked up uh, over the time is um, some Photoshop work. Um, 
because I noticed Gary's <laughs> been in a lot of places that I didn't expect him, like as the cast of the Avengers and um, <laughs> and the, the latest season of Stranger Things and yeah. uh, the castle. Yeah. I love it because like, I photoshopped him into the, the very famous photo of um, the cast from the castle. Yeah. Um, and just just with the just with the words, had a great time filming Muriel's wedding, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and so I mean, most people know Gary's sense of humour, but some people are like, oh, I think this is actually the castle, and then someone else commented, I think you're right, I think this is the castle. <laughs> you didn't start a Facebook comment war, did you? <laughs> oh, dear. oh it's, it's a little bit like that, but no, I, yeah, I quite enjoy. I mean, I do. I make all my own content now, and uh, as much as I hate it, like. I don't like creating in order to get attention, like instant mm. attention. It's I find it really soul draining. I'd much rather pay attention to when I'm creating something, and then you know pay attention to what I'm doing, and then the attention comes later. Mm. But there's something really unhealthy about like creating like video and image content, putting it out there, and then just waiting to see mm. how people respond. Um, but I'm just also. You know, I think the artist is always the best person to make their content because my voice comes through. You know, mm. oh, so, it does um, yeah, yeah, another, yeah. Mm, no, yeah, I, I definitely that. got that. Like with your stuff, I thought, you know, this looks like someone who really cares about what they've done is making a joke about it instead of it being in a in a <laughs> like in I suppose in the big marketing machine where you know it runs through so many hands and then you're like, mm, should we do that? Yeah, I know. And it's really obvious, I think, if someone's handed their social media accounts over to a, an organization or to a you know social media manager, because it's although it may look really schmick, it doesn't have their voice, it doesn't, doesn't speak. Yeah. This is good, <laughs> though. So their at least now we know if we send Gary a message, we're getting Gary back. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> there was there was a while there. There was a while there that uh, in 2019, I think my producer took over my social media account for a while. And she just like she said, I didn't realize how many just like uh, it's usually it's usually middle aged men. I just get like you know eggplant emojis from middle aged men <laughs> or like <laughs> like that's all these or phone numbers like people like is that what she's getting or what Gary's getting? That's what Gary was getting, and she was kind of like. She's like, you do, not, someone else has just sent me screenshots of like someone else just sent you a, <laughs> an exact And that's the weird thing is that, I mean, yeah, I get my kid off of the show, but I'm basically a child in the show. Like I play this kind of big, big sort of idiot, you know, really innocent. So I'm already surprised when people send me explicit uh, explicit messages. I'm like, what is it about me that's attractive in this? What, um, what's, <laughs> what's the most outrageous someone trying to shoot their shot in their DMs then? What, what's the most outrageous one? Yeah. Well, actually, the, the most bold, and I actually all credit to this guy, was I set up a camera after my show with a, like a little ring light on it, and I just say to the audience, hey, there's a camera out there. Um, you'll see the little light. It's recording. Just go up and say in two or three words what you thought of the show, and I promise no matter what you say, I'll post it online. And, so, and, I, and then I just wait, and I get on a good night, just gets loads of people going up. One guy just had his phone number and a bit of paper and he just comes up to the camera. He's like, Gary, it's my number. Give me a call. Give me a call. I was like, good on you, mate. Good on you. Did Did you call? I didn't, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, the audacity. I love it, though. Yeah. It's very bold. Yeah. Um, so, the show, Greek Mythology in Under 60 Minutes, um, that is quite the task to compile. 
It is, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of in the, it's definitely um, his uh, MO. Um, uh, is that right, MO? Is that what I, I, I right think thing? so. Yeah. Modus opera and opera, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because the first show I did, I did all of the performing arts in uh, in sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to making a new one, I thought, okay, what else is equally, you know, overly ambitious? But it's got to be something that most people know something about. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Greek mythology. There's a funny link here because I'm not actually Greek, but all my life I thought I was Greek because I guess because you know my my mum always told me that she thought we were. Because yeah. um, we have like a missing link. There's like a great grandfather who he's not he's not a missing link, but he just he was he was an embezzler who arrived in in Australia um, and changed his name to Ebenezer Glencross Grant and and uh, would kind of like you know own the table and uh, and no one really knew his heritage, but they assumed that he was Greek. Mm. And so um, and so I always I grew up thinking I was Greek, and uh, this photo of me as a baby in Greece and whatnot. And, uh, and then I did a DNA test a few years ago, and no Greek in me at all. <laughs> so I thought, well, I thought, well, you know, true to the true to the form of you know my clown being very similar to me, I thought, what if Gary thinks he's Greek? Gary Gary gets told he's Greek, and then so he does a bit of uh, research into into Greece and discovers that the economy's been struggling, and he goes, well, what I can help Greece by performing all of Greek mythology, because that's kind of, you know, it's, it's a religion that's kind of lost mm. lost favour. But if I can reignite people's passion for Greek mythology, then people will want to go and visit Greece. So he goes, I'm going to perform all of Greek mythology by myself in an hour, and that'll save the Greek economy. Uh, that's, that's how the show came about. Um, what's the most unexpected thing you found when you were researching it then, Greek mythology? Oh, God, it's funny, there's all these little... Um, there's joyous, joyous little Easter eggs that keep popping up. Like, I, to begin with, I, like, I just made a list of all the characters that, that I knew before mm. I did much reading about it, and then, I, and then what, you know, what I knew about them. Like, for example, I knew that Medusa has snakes for hair and could turn people to stone. I knew that, you know, Poseidon lived below the, below the ocean and mm. you know below the waves, and, and uh, you know, Aphrodite is a goddess of love, and you know things that that most people know. Mm. And then I started to learn more and I was kind of like, oh, great, okay. So then, then I started to hide Easter eggs in the show. So people who know about Greek mythology will get them, but people who don't won't feel like they're missing out on anything. Um, so uh, but I'm trying to think what the most surprising thing is that I discovered. Mm. There was there are a few things that really, yeah, like just beautiful coincidences. Um, what was one that happened recently? Um I can't think now. If it comes to me, I'll I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also wouldn't want you to spoil any of the great discoveries that, you know, people see when they see the show. Yeah. No, there's there's some really – there's just some wonderful, wonderful joyous bits that, you know, as as I said, if you know about Greek mythology, you'll see them and you'll just be chuckling to yourself and hopefully other people won't feel like they've missed out. See, it is like the Pixar film. It is. It's exactly like that, yeah. Intellectual layers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, yeah. One of the the quotes from um, Theatre Thoughts was uh, "insanely clever and gloriously stupid." I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> and after all that research, you're going to know the answer to the question then: Uranus mm-hmm. or Uranus? Well, I, I mean, I have to say Uranus because it, it, there's so many jokes about that being Uranus. Like, 
Gary pronounces it your anus. <laughs> <laughs> he just says your anus. So, <laughs> uh, but there's a, I mean, all the, every time I speak to someone, they, you know, like the, the last time, uh, person who interviewed me was talking about uh, uh, Dionysus, and I was like, oh, oh Dionysus, you know. Um, Is it really Dionysus? And, uh, I thought it was Dionysus too. Am I a bit of Gary? Yeah. Well, I think everyone just pronounces things differently, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How did it go in Adelaide there when there's even a different a different pronounce on top of that then? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the funny thing is that one of the things that Gary does is he uses malapropisms, like he uses the wrong words, and, and he mixes his malapropisms. Like, he doesn't even call it Greek mythology, he calls it Greek mythogeny, which <laughs> on, on, on one layer is just him misunderstanding, like mispronouncing mythology, but... On the other layer, it's a portmanteau of mythology and misogyny. So it's kind of like, you know, people just, you can brush over it and go, oh, that's funny, he got a mythology wrong. But you go, oh, is, is that referencing the, the fact that there's a lot of misogyny? And um, yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, getting mispronouncing words, getting things wrong. Um, uh, it's just, it's another way of just letting everyone know that he's more of an idiot than, than them. I love that Gary is a woke idiot, though. And that's. That's very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totes work. Totes work. Um, yeah. I, I think it's going to be wonderful. And you've had so many great reviews. Um, so you're promising kids and adults it's okay. Or is it after dark? Oh, no. It's it's complete complete nudity in this one. <laughs> okay. i get my kid off. I mean, then this, look, this one honesty, is not for the kids. Don't bring the kids unless, you know comfortable with the You know what? Form. Yeah, I mean I had I've had kids I had kids came to the show in Adelaide like the, the you know the parent the parent messaged me before and I said look at them they're kind of 8 year old or 12 year old are you okay if I bring them? I was like I'm totally fine with that. I mean I get naked but there's nothing sexual about the show and mm. and so he brought the kids along and the kids bloody loved it. Had a great time. And uh, and I and I met up with them afterwards and they were like we thought you were so funny. Cuz it's so funny. I just think it's so strange that we um we have these rules about like nudity and yet violence is something that's totally fine yeah. to go and watch. <laughs> so I'm totally fine with kids coming, but I mean, venues quite funny about it sometimes. And, um, there is a strange thing that happens as well. Like if, 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 if other people are aware that kids are in the audience, um, then sometimes the kids laugh at things and people who are less secure in themselves don't laugh because they think this is for kids. Mm. It's a really weird thing. So I don't know. I, I, I tend to make I, I essentially what I'm making is kids shows for adults. It's completely silly and, and ridiculous and playful and and non political and uh, but it's it's an opportunity for adults to just you know laugh completely freely. I think I can't wait. It'll be great. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about it that um we haven't we haven't covered? Oh no, I just can't wait to get back to um the Brisbane to, to play the powerhouse. Um, that's that's the one that I'm. That, that's sort of the, the you know, the, the, my last stop in Australia. Um, I've got Sydney before that. I've got Canberra, I've got Ballarat. Um, but the Brisbane season is going to be a nice long with six shows and the power is such an amazing space. Yeah, it's always uh, a beautiful a little, space there. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's it's a thrust stage too, so the audience are on three sides, um, which means that you know when I'm playing with people in the audience, if I'm playing with someone on the front row on one side, everyone can see their face, which is so <laughs> wonderful. And I've got the same setup in Edinburgh in August as well. So I love that. I much prefer that than, than like a proscenium arch 
you know, when I'm up on a stage and the audience are down below, I, I don't don't enjoy that anywhere near as much. It's also going to mean a 360 view of that nudity, though. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes there there are there are moments when I'm bouncing around on when Atlas is bouncing around on Gaia, who is a, a blue exercise ball, mm-hmm. where yeah, a lot of people are going to get butt crack in their face. <laughs> and that's the promise to go see the comedy <laughs> festival, your show <laughs> this year. You will see butt crack. <laughs> yeah, and my director, I remember my director saying to me, I didn't work with him on this one, but in my last show, he said to me. He's like, you do realise that now you're performing Gary on a regular basis. You can never, ever trim your pubic hair. <laughs> what like, about a merkin? You could get a merkin. <laughs> yeah, but I think it, it, it always reads. You can always tell it's a merkin, I think. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's, it's, so the pubic hair is your brand now. I love it. Yeah, well, so the hair on the head and the hair on the, on the crutch is uh, mm-hmm. definitely recognisable in Gary. <laughs> 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 uh, Damien, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great chat. You can see Gary Star Grease Lightning at Brisbane Powerhouse as part of Brisbane Comedy Festival from the 10th to the 15th of May. Tickets are available now at brisbanecomedyfestival.com. And give Damien slash Gary a follow on social media at Gary the Star because his posts are good for a chuckle. Follow that entertainment podcast Brisbane now on your favourite podcast app to hear more interviews about what's happening in Brisbane arts and entertainment as it happens. And you can connect with me on socials now at Louise underscore pool on Insta or at Louise Pool Official on Facebook or head to thatentertainmentpodcast.com.au for more. That Entertainment Podcast Brisbane is a welcome change media production.